All right. This morning we are reading from Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day, the reading of God's word. Lord, thank you, Sarah. Well, we are just last week, we launched into what's going to be a new study. Uh, We're going to be looking Genesis chapters 12 through 50 from Abraham on. We're going to really do a a more of an in-depth look. But in order to understand the importance of that, taking a couple of weeks to summarize a huge amount, everything from Genesis 1 through Genesis chapter 11. We're going to summarize in just a couple of weeks because there are some themes that to understand Abraham and how that's going to relate to our lives as Abraham's called out of one culture to a land he doesn't know. And this is the epitome of what a faith walk is. We've got to understand what's been happening in the world, this primeval history, the very first age and first thing. So last week, we looked at Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and the significance of a God who creates something out of nothing and a God who creates order out of chaos. And this great God has created a world for us to inhabit. And what we ended with was right before he's created this pinnacle of something in his own image, right? And we know what that is. The Bible says it is us. It is you and me. We were created in this image of God. So we're going to pick up. You can, we'll be, uh, Keep your finger in Genesis 1, which is right toward the front of the Bible. And uh, we're going to look at that. But before that, I'm, uh, I want you, last week, if you were here, I introduced you to my mug. Now this, my wife, well, I just got back from sabbatical, from two and a half months of sabbatical. Last week was my first week preaching again. My wife on sabbatical took up pottery. And we now have about 250 pots, mugs. I'm serious. You think I'm joking. Plates, cups. And they're, they're great. I'm amazed. She had never done pottery before. So during this spring and in the sabbatical, she did that. And on the bottom, it says to Tim with a little heart, love, and then you. And then she signed it and the year. It's very sweet. But what I want you to notice about this is that she, 
knows that I like blue, and uh, so she did different types of blues. I also like to drink many cups of coffee in the morning, but I feel guilty about drinking many cups. So I said, can you make it a really small cup? So when I drink many cups of coffee, it doesn't, like, wire me so much. So she, this doesn't hold that much coffee, but I can drink three or four cups and it stays hot. The other thing I want you to notice is that the handle is really high, and there's this thing because she knows that in my car, one of the frustrations is the way handles are, when I set it in my car holder, it tips. And so she said, well, I'm going to build it for you to suit you, okay? What I want you to see is that God has created... Everything we see, all this, he said, I'm going to reflect my glory and I know you so well that I'm going to create an environment in which you can thrive because my glory can be seen. And so we were intended to live in a world that was built, if you look at what Adam and Eve had, it was a world built to help them to thrive. And it's better. The the story of salvation doesn't begin with our sin. It begins with a God who created everything for his purpose, for his glory, and that it was very good. And at the pinnacle of that is this idea of we're going to create in our own image what? Humankind. So let's look at that together. You've got your Bible. You can open to Genesis 1:26. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. There is so much we could say about how we're created in the image of God, about our ability to to think and uh, make moral choices and just the, the social aspect that we have, such great freedom to choose. Our, you know, no computer will ever be able to replace or compete with what God has done, our ability to adapt. There's so much that we were created in the image of God. We could spend the whole time just talking about the wonders of that. It's, ama- it's interesting that he says very explicitly he created male and female in his image. And, you know, in our culture today, one of the things that's getting confused is what does gen- gender mean something different now than it did when I was growing up, when I considered it male and female. Now it's sort of how people express themselves. And there's, there's, you know, the Bible makes plenty of room for warrior queens like Deborah and psalm-playing kings like David, but... It doesn't replace the fact that God created in his image us to express ourselves in these, this complementary role. It was to his glory. And we, as a people, should celebrate what God has done to create us in his image. Because he didn't do that for any other, the trees, they reflect his creativity, but not his image like we do. And so when we sell ourselves short, when we do things that in some way pollute spiritually or physically or whatever, it's not simply on a human level, but on God's level. 
that we are we don't want to mar his image. Nancy made for me the other day this. I thought, you know, this is really cool. You know, isn't that neat? Thank you, Carol. And and you know the the thing is, I'm not. I, there's certain parameters that God gives for the way we're to live. And as He set up here, He said certain things to the first humans about the way we're to live. And he said to them, we didn't read this, but you may be familiar with it. He said, any tree in this garden, I've given you a good place to flourish. And you can eat of any tree except one tree, this tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do that. Don't eat there. And he didn't say why. He didn't. He just said, don't do this. But you can do anything else. Here's what you do. And then we're introduced in chapter 3 to this um, creature. It just says a crafty serpent. It doesn't really introduce who it is or just the scripture. Just this character comes on and he tells a different story, doesn't he? And he begins to question and say, "Did God? what, what did God really say? Did God mean what he said? Do you think God really said what he meant? Sort of God sort of in the Horton hears a who kind of thing. You know, God means what he says, and he said what he meant, and God is faithful 100%, just like the elephant. And he says, look, did God really say don't eat this? And Eve and Adam both are there, and rather than submitting to God, they decide, well, you know what? Nancy said I need to let this dry Don't put it over an open fire. But, you know, if I thought that maybe it would look better if I kind of did that, well, now I've got to make all the sides kind of even because it's it's off. And I know she said not to touch it, but I'm sure I can get it back to the way it was. Oops. Ouch. Well, now it's uh, a colander. (laughs) And I'm sure I can make it better. If I do it my way, because well, I know she knows pottery better than I do, but but it is mine. She gave it to me, and well, maybe I'll just maybe I'll just start over. Maybe if I create, maybe if I create something beautiful, Adam and Eve's choice. People will say Adam and Eve's choice in the garden. There are people today that laud their choice, that somehow in disobeying God, they were seeking for themselves knowledge, and that God wanted to keep them somehow ignorant and down. But I think the real point of that story is that they had a choice as to decide if God knew best or they knew best, because they decided to define good and evil the way they wanted to. And it said the point of taking the fruit and eating it was that their eyes would be opened and they would be like God. It says they would be like in the image of God if they just did it their way. And the irony of this is they were already in the image of God and they didn't need to eat a fruit at all. And what happened was now the image was broken and that the beautiful thing that she created seems to never be able to be restored because I don't I can't get it back now to the way it was and this is the point sin and its effects are far 
worse, far more serious than we can imagine or that our world would say. What's the big deal? Well, it means that the way God set it up has been marred. But praise God, not beyond redemption. Because at the same time, because it, it pained me to just do that, because I knew better, but I can't fix it. And each and every one of us, the Bible says, has sinned and fallen short. And it's hard for us in an individualistic society where you think, well, I, I didn't choose to do that. I was just born a little baby. And I. the Bible describes this as, as being born into the life of Adam. Adam's sin is like someone gave a good analogy, which was, when King Henry VIII decided to take England out of the Catholic Church and create another church, when he decided to marry Anne Boleyn, everyone born into that no longer had the rights of the Catholic Church. They didn't do anything to affirm or disaffirm. They simply were born into a culture that said, this is who you are now, and it just is the way it is. And we are now born with this sin nature. The, the fruits of Adam's sin are, the, are our fruit. But the Bible says not without redemption. The story that so painfully opens up in chapter 3 as Adam and Eve decide that they know best and they can define good and evil. And believe me, today's world, we all think at some level, I know what's right and wrong. I know what's good and evil. I know what should be. And maybe you think the Bible is right sometimes and wrong sometimes, and you decide, we decide, and God from the beginning has said, I love you so much, and I've set up a garden. I've set up a place for you to flourish, but you've got to do it my way. And so as God begins to talk to the man and the woman about the results of and the ramifications of their decisions, in verse 14, there's this kind of mysterious statement that God says. He says, first to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. This is chapter 3, verse 14. On your belly you shall go, dust you shall eat in all the days of your life. I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And, and listen to this. He shall bruise your head. Her offspring shall bruise the serpent's head, and you, to the serpent, shall bruise his heel. That there's this mystery little thing, a glimpse of redemption of a wounded healer, a wounded victor that's coming, that even though that person is going to crush the serpent, he becomes wounded in the process. It's kind of this picture, a little bit muddy, not quite spoken and clear, but that what was meant, the ripple effects of sin, begin now that now there's the work rather than being joyful and satisfying becomes toil. Not for me, of course, but for y'all toil of work. Our work suddenly there's pain where there wasn't not necessarily pain before. And that the consequences of sin begin rippling out and that the pain in the world and the pain in our souls continues on. And we see this corruption 
that just echoes at every level, whether it's through individuals, through families, through societies. So what's lost as we decide for ourselves as we live in sin? Well, what's lost, first and foremost, we find out, is intimacy between God and people. The way God designed us was to walk in intimacy with him, to know him, to actually know God. And that that is now broken. They're out of the garden, broken human relationships. And what we're going to see next week as we complete these chapters is the spiral of sin that continues to today in our culture and in our world as people decide for themselves how they're going to live and they leave God's law and God's ways behind and the ramifications of that. Broken human relationships and finally just a rewriting on earth of all the all the things that we see in our world because I believe, and I'll just say this is my belief, that I believe virtually everything in our world that is going so astray at every level is just a ripple of the sin because that's not the way God created it to be. And the promise is that he's going to bring all things right and make all things right. But we live in the meantime, don't we? We live in the tagline between then and what's coming, what happened and what's coming. And we get the joy of beginning to live in the redemption now. We don't have to mourn. You don't have to mourn one more second or one more day that there's no hope because the redemption came. Starting with Abraham, he's going to paint a picture of how we're going to live. And when Jesus Christ came and he, the perfect God-man, suffered and died and paid that penalty and paid that price, he began to set all things right. He began the process and we can now with that incredible God-like way that we can choose and be chosen by the one true God. That this mess that we live in now, whether this mess represents you inside or it represents your marriage or some relationship or it represents your thinking or your soul or your work or the world or just the mess, you think this, I can't ever get it back. Let me give you the good news. Jesus Christ has done everything necessary to rebuild your life into something even more beautiful than it ever could have dreamed to be. You could never have dreamed up what Jesus Christ can do for you and will and has done for you if you will simply repent, turn to him and believe. I wish Nancy were here and she could have her potter's wheel because she could put this thing back on in about three minutes, recreate. But here's the gospel. You can't do it and neither can I. And if you think you can rebuild this mess, and even if you're a Christian, remember that you can take and decide for yourself, I... I, I forgot I want to put this in God's hands. We need to every day put our lives into his hands. But if I would hand this to my skilled potter wife and say, can you rebuild it for me, please? You'd be amazed at what she could create and re-soften and reshape and reform because 
The gospel doesn't have to wait until you die, and it doesn't have to wait until Jesus comes back. It's here now. When Jesus Christ exploded onto the scene in human form, everything changed. And it's continuing. As the Holy Spirit was released at Pentecost, we live with that same Holy Spirit. So if you're ready to turn your lump of clay over, we're going to pray because God's redemption is greater than your problems. You got, you got a lot of problems. I know you do. But you know what? Mine are bigger. Mine are worse. I've got, I, I, we could spend a long time talking about my issues. And you know what? It's, it's nothing to the great God. And he wants to be the God who rebuilds that redeems, that restores, that reshapes. But the prophet, as the prophet said, shall the clay say to the potter, I don't like the way I made, I'll do it my own way. So be it. The clay is yours. But if you want to be all that God created you to be and all that God wants you to be, turn yourself into his hands Say, Lord, I'm open. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm open. Would you please create your image in me? Would you pray with me, please? Lord, forgive us for the times when we've seized autonomy and defined good and evil for ourselves. Father, we decide we can be God and we can make the decisions, Lord, for the intimacy between you and between humans that's broken. Lord, for the sin that's so potent, Lord, when we give it power and when we don't turn to the one who breaks the power of sin. Lord, as we begin a journey to see what it's like to walk in faith with you and to watch you redeem things and bring them and restore them as we are the vanguard of what is coming in full when you make all things right, Lord, you now are creating in your people the remnant, Lord, of what you want to do. Father, for here, for hearts, Lord, that are either far from you Lord, just wonder if there even is a God, Lord, what sort of God you are. Father, I ask that your word would just pierce our hearts, that there would be a sense of the reality of your presence with us. Well, we don't have all the answers. We don't know all so much we don't know. But what we do know is that you're good and you're powerful and you're able and you're willing And you've invited us to partner with you. You've invited us to be these stewards of your earth and of your spirit. Before we close in worship, I just would invite you that if you feel like you want to put yourself 
that you know you still make the decisions of your life, control your life, and you do want to give your life to Him and see what it's like to walk with and to turn yourself over to God and to yield your life to God, to give that clay that is you to the one who would remake and reform you even more in His image. Then I invite you to just very simply agree with God that He is right. That you do believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. That you do want Him to be the Lord and ruler of your life and that you turn and you acknowledge that sin that has so corrupted you as it's corrupted everyone. And you ask Him to forgive you of those. See what God would do and then please come share with me if you've decided to do that so we can pray with you and help you grow. Just take a minute to just pray and do, do some your business with God before we close.